This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Thanks for listening to the For the Campus podcast, where each week we sit down and have discussions about Christian faithfulness in the college campus. To learn more about City Church Tallahassee and our ministries, head to citychurchtallahassee.com. All right. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening to the For the Campus podcast. Today, I'm sitting down with our executive director, Ashlyn Portero, and we're going to have a conversation about all things reading and writing. Before we do that, can you just tell everybody a little bit about what you did as a college student and what you studied and then what you do here today at City Church? Yeah. So um, I was an English lit major at Florida State. Um, Definitely like didn't start there with a love for reading, but that was a no-brainer for me. Um, I love to read and write, and so that's what I studied um, in college. And uh, now I serve, uh, as you said, full-time on our staff as an executive director, and so um, oversee uh, day-to-day ministry operations and um, our, our staff team, uh, along with our co-exec- my co- co-executive director, Alex, um, but also get to still incorporate some, uh, you know, skills that I, I took from, from that English degree. So that's fun. Yeah. And as a fellow English major, we've had a lot of conversations about reading and writing and I'd love just out the gate, what is the significance of reading and could you just maybe make the case for why Christians should read? Yeah. Um, to me, I think just to start like very simply, I think it's, a blessing that we can read, you know, mm-hmm. that like we're not born being able to read. It's a learned skill. And so, um, and, and there are people in the world who aren't literate. And mm-hmm. so I think because of that, um, we should just be grateful for that and participate in, in being able to read um, as we are able. Um, and as I was thinking, like, I mean, in terms of our faith, faith comes by hearing. And so mm-hmm. I don't want to say that um, you know, we, we can't know God without reading, but at the same time we have access to the written word. Mm-hmm. And so that's really important. Like we should read, we should engage scripture, um, and all other kinds of, of literature, um, with our brains and our hearts. And I think, um, that process, you know, is really transformative when we do read. Um, and then, I mean, also on a, maybe a simpler note, like Christians should be smart people, you know, mm-hmm. like reading, um, grows us and it's a lot of the way that we learn. And so, um, for more than just entertainment purposes mm-hmm. and even like being shaped, you know, morally and as a person, um, I think it's also a way that we, uh, that we learn and we reflect, you know, the, the things that God has made us to do. So, yeah. And that kind of transitions pretty well into the next thing of just like, why should we read across multiple genres and not just read scripture and not just read 
Christian writing, but also just all different types of writing. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, to go back to the Bible, like scripture is not all just, you know, historical narrative mm-hmm. or genealogy or, um, you know, poetry or, or whatever. It's a mix of, of a lot of different genres. And so when, if we are looking at that really as like our foundation for um, for reading and, and for mm-hmm. literature, then we should see that as, you know, God has designed um, even words with, with creativity and to be able to be organized and, and stories told in different ways. And so um, I think we just see that as something that's you know important. Um, I also think that you know we are whole people, and so um, if I'm reading, you know maybe something, maybe you love to read you know fiction because it really you know is an emotional experience for mm-hmm. you. But um, you know we can kind of become unbalanced if we're reading only in one specific area or one specific genre, um, or like if I'm reading only self help books mm-hmm. and that's all I ever read, <laughs> then I'm probably going to end up you know, very focused on me mm-hmm. and maybe worn down because I'm not also filling myself with these other genres that kind of speak to other parts of, of who we are as people. So I just think it's good to be well-rounded and also to learn through mm-hmm. a lot of different um, genres and a lot of different formats of reading. And I, I really think that, you know, I mean, God is a creative God. And so he, that, I think that's one of the ways he's designed for us to, um, to, to learn truth. One of the books that we recommend and give away a lot at City Church U is Matt Perman's What's Best Next. It's a productivity mm-hmm. book, but it kind of made me think about what you said is that Christians should be smart people. And in the beginning of the book, he actually lays out a case for Christian productivity. And he says the difference is Christians should want to be smart about how they work and efficient in what they do, not so that they can necessarily gain power, influence, money, worldly success, but so that Christians can actually be you know, more freed up to do meaningful work and to be more, you know, the faster that they can get their work done, the more they can serve others and help others and care for others. And I think that's the difference between how a Christian would necessarily go into self-help or professional development and then how somebody who doesn't know the Lord would go into it is that as Christians, we should actually want to be good at what we do to honor God, Mm -hmm. but also to be able to, the better we are at what we do, the better we can serve and care for others. What have been for you some of the most formative books that you've read? I'd love to kind of hear the the list. I know you got, I, I texted you beforehand and got, <laughs> let, you, let you prep this I one, but I'd love some. to hear about that and just transition into that a little bit. Yeah. Um, well, like to start, I'm going to go back in time a little bit and this like sounds silly, but it, I mean, seriously, like my love for reading began when I was a kid. And so some mm-hmm. of the books that were most impactful to me um, were books I read as a child. Um, okay. And so just to, to name a couple of those, I mean, um, this is not going to be a surprise probably to most people listening, but Chronicles of Narnia, I mean, that mm-hmm. was kind of one of the first um, series of stories, you know, and like uh, literature that I read. Um, and I read those probably in like late elementary school. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was kind of the first, like, I mean, if you read those stories, obviously it, it produces in you like this real just like longing for a more beautiful, you know, true world. And, mm-hmm. and as Christians, like that's something that, you know, we, we will arrive at one day. And so that was kind of my first experience with literature being able to um, communicate the the true and better story of, um, you know, really uh, of God redeeming the world. Um, and then, uh, I mean, uh, this, uh, this sounds silly, but like Black Beauty was the first classic novel mm-hmm. that I read as a kid. <laughs> I had to like take those reading tests where you get points for them. It's like we called it Accelerated Reader. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it took me like months to finish this book. But this is like this is my whole purpose in telling this is um, my like my teacher, my parents, everyone was like on me for trying to get this book done because I was like procrastinating. Um, and when I finally finished, I really was like rewarded because I was challenged by that. And that's the first book that stands out in my mind um, as 
like reading, um, you know, classic novels or classic literature um, is difficult, but it was very rewarding and it shaped me, you know, as a reader, as, as a person. So those are just like two little anecdotes that that started mm-hmm. when I was really young. Um, more recently, um, back in January, I read uh, The Deep Things of God by Fred Sanders. Um, he's a a professor at um, Biola University, which is where I, I'm mm-hmm. in seminary. And um, that was just a really great book for helping shape my view of the Trinity. So in terms mm-hmm. of a, a theology read, that was great. Um, the Dutch House by Ann Patchett, um, that's just a really good story. It's a fiction story, and she's a, a popular fiction writer. Um, helped me kind of process like some complex feelings about family and, and mm-hmm. things like that. So all of these books have like deeper meanings. And then just really quickly on kind of a writing note, um, reading some creative nonfiction writers, um, Joan Didion, Annie Dillard, um, David Sedaris, who that that's a pretty controversial read. Mm-hmm. But um, I mean, they're just also, you know, smart and, um, you know, funny and, and witty and sharp. And, and so reading creative, really good creative nonfiction has kind mm-hmm. of showed me like, I really don't write a lot, but like if I do write or if I were to, to really try to go all in on that, like that's the type of writer I'd want to be. And so mm-hmm. those those books have also shaped my view of, of writing as well as reading. Yeah, and I think it's a, a good thing for people to read from different worldviews. People who maybe aren't necessarily from your camp or tribe, mm-hmm. you know, and I think you have to do that with wisdom and discerningly and just, you know, make sure that you're not being too influenced. But yeah. and, and I think that's true with a lot of different types of culture and art. Um, to you, what's been the most challenging book you've ever read? Ooh, that's a really good question. Um, I'm sure it's probably been uh, like a, you know, some type of really literary mm-hmm. uh Something you had to read in college. Yeah, or something, something I yeah. had to read in college. Um, I, I took a um, like a contemporary uh, fiction class, mm-hmm. um, and a lot of the books that we read. I mean, it was kind of looking at like the postmodern period, and so a lot of it was just uh, you know bleak and mm-hmm. <laughs> kind of yeah. felt kind of hopeless at times. And so, in terms of like just being challenging reads, like the that sort of um, you know mood or or whatever, um, those were those were challenging. Um, I love, I do love classic novels, um, and, and they are challenging. Like, they're more, um, they take more out of you. Like, I read Crime and Punishment, um, which is by a Russian author, um, Dostoevsky, and that mm-hmm. one is, is a really great. There's so many parallels to, um, you know, to, to the Christian faith there. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, it's, A, it's really long. It's, like, over 500 pages. And, you know, it's just different than reading, like, your classic easy beach read or whatever. Um, so those those types of, you know, classic novels are some of the most challenging to me, but they also are so rewarding because you really are kind of like, I mean, it's like reading scripture. You know, if you're just going to read it with sort of a, a lazy position, um, you might be able to like skim the surface or get kind of the surface level message, but um, you're not going to really be like mining, you mm-hmm. know, the text for, for deeper meaning. Um, and so, yeah, that's, those have been some challenging reads. Yeah. So it's funny you said that because recently I have a group of friends that we get together and we exchange books and we call them book parties Fun. and we have somebody cooks dinner and then everybody brings two favorite books and then nice. we exchange and it's we draft it so it's kind of fun like you don't know what book you're coming home with and I got crime and punishment and oh, it was kind of funny because <laughs> uh, one of our elders at city church was at the party uh, Matt Strength and he had brought it it's kind of funny because it's like this big kind of book that you could tell people were avoiding yeah. you know and <laughs> yeah, I, I got I got stuck it? with that and I'm actually going to read it because it's kind of the thing with the club is like okay like if you end up with this book like someone brought it you're going to respect them enough to read it yeah 
Um, and it, it is long. Um, and then when I was in college, I, I so I was a, wasn't a lit major. I was a creative writing major, which is like 50% lit and then 50% writing classes. And um, I had to take some classes that just pushed me outside of my box of what I would normally read, including I took a class just on Milton and we had okay, to read yeah. Paradise Lost. And that's just something that I don't think I would have probably came across. Yeah. But it's really interesting because I found myself having these discussions and conversations with people who they never would have read the book. I never would have read the book. And it's actually forcing me to evaluate, like, what do I believe? How do I see the world? How do I think about things? And so I think it's a, a really good thing too to like to put yourself in scenarios with your reading that like push you outside of your comfort zone so that you're not just hearing the same types of things over and over and over again, but actually like having to like slow down and, and reread sections and right. ask questions. And um, what do you do when you're reading a book and you're just really struggling with the comprehension? <laughs> do you have any tips or, or hacks? Um, if I'm struggling with the comprehension, I, I mean, it would kind of just depend on what the struggle is. Like if mm -hmm. it's something that is just totally out of my realm of like, I, you know, I'm reading on a subject that I don't know anything about. Um, I'll just read a lot more slowly and not mm -hmm. put pressure on myself to like breeze through something. Um, you know, uh, if you need to like Google what a word means, like yeah. there's, <laughs> there's no shame in that, you know, like yeah. reading is mostly a solitary activity, so you can do that. And you know, not nobody else has to know that. Um, but you know, so we should be learning while we're reading. If it's something that I'm reading and I just really don't like it or I'm just not into it, um, I'm like the type of person that it's really hard for me to not finish a book. Mm -hmm. But if I get to a point where I'm like, I just am not, you know, I'm just not into this story. It's like there are so many books out there that, mm -hmm. you know, nobody's life is, is going to be hurt if I don't read this book. So um, unless mm -hmm. it's something that really I just, you know, need to finish it or like, I'm just being lazy or something, I'll try to press through, but, um, but otherwise I'll just, you know, abandon it and move on to something yeah. else. I started doing the thing too, where like, if I'm really struggling to grasp it and I just feel like uh, I'm just a little foggy here, I'll start like reading reviews on it or outlines of That's it good. or cliff notes of it, but not to like not read it, but to read it. And yeah. it kind of gives me like a map, like, okay, give me an overview of what's happening. <laughs> and it's funny because, uh, our discipleship pastor who we had on here a couple weeks ago, Joe Thigpen and I, um, we were doing, you were on the you were on this uh, quip forum too on culture. And I, one of the books I read to prep for that was Christ and culture. And the opening of Christ and culture is super confusing. Is that DA Carson? No, Christ and culture is like one of the classics. I'm blanking on the name right oh, now. I have okay. to look it up, but um, DA Carson wrote about Christ and culture, okay. like the book, okay, that's but what I'm it's an of. older book. And you know, Joe's going to, Joe's going to cringe that I don't remember the yeah, author's name off the top of my head. And, and um, or he won't be. We'll <laughs> um, but it, the, the opening of the book was like really hard to, for me personally, just to grasp like what he was talking about. And then I had read D.A. Carson's article on it and then it actually helped me. And then I went to it and read it and then I could like, it helped me. It was kind of like a little hack I yeah. did. I used to do that in college too. Like I would read like the spark notes <laughs> or whatever the cliff notes or like d the different like note sharing sites. And then I would actually still read the book and it would help me. Yeah. Um, sometimes that, you know, can mess up stuff, but at the, s the same time yeah, it can good. be helpful. Um, tell me about your thoughts on reading books twice. Do you, do you do that often? Do you think that it's helpful? Um, I don't read a lot of books more than once. Um, there are a few books that I've come back to just cause I either really love the story mm -hmm. or, um, I, I really like the message. I'm, I'm pretty hardcore about like, if you're going to read a book, um, uh, well, 
I'm going to contradict myself. But what I was going to say is like, especially for nonfiction books, I'm, mm-hmm. I don't like to just like read one chapter and then abandon it and come back like maybe two years later or something mm-hmm. like those kind of books. I would want to read all the way through. Um, or like we were talking about before, if you're reading something and you're just going to, you know, put it down and call it quits or whatever. So I'm, I'm pretty much for like trying to read a whole book, but there are also some books where I might just return and read like a chapter or two. Um, just to, to glean something from it. I read mm-hmm. um, The Second Mountain by David Brooks, which is kind of a like moral and cultural commentary. Mm-hmm. Um, that's I think it was written either maybe I think end of last year. Um, so it's, it's a newer book. And I've already come back to that a couple times. Um, yeah, so I'll, I'm, I like being able to come back to a book, but it's usually like I'm looking for something more so than um, rereading it to enjoy. There's like really few books that I have done that yeah. for. There's a few books that I'll recommend to people and then I'll tell them, just read this chapter. Yeah. And then we do that sometimes on staff where it's like somebody pulls a chapter from a book and it's just like, hey, just check this chapter out. And yeah, but yeah I try to, it's, I'm on the opposite side. I have to force myself <laughs> to like get through the whole book because I think it's, and it's probably like an arrogance thing, but I'll get like halfway through and I'm like, I get it. And, and there's a lot I'm, of books, yeah. like we've talked about that. There's yeah. a lot of books that could it, it, they could be half as long as they are. Yeah, yeah. I think, um, <laughs> I don't know if Joe said this, but this is like another Joe thing, which is there's a lot of books that should be articles. There's a lot of articles that should be tweets, and there's a lot of tweets that should never be, that should just be never private be thoughts. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's and, good. And that's, uh, I think, kind of, I want, you know, kind of trying to work through what books are the best use of your time. Do you try to read one book at a time or do you try to read multiple books at the same time? I'm usually reading multiple books at the same time um, unless I'm reading a book that is just like I'm, you know, really challenged by Mm -hmm. it or like I need to kind of give all my energy to it. Um, So, yeah, usually I'm reading like a theology book, a fiction book um, and or like a creative nonfiction book. Um, Mm -hmm. And then I'll kind of weave in like a productivity book or, um, you know, some other type of of nonfiction book. in there as well so I'm usually reading like at least two books at one Mm -hmm. time do you try to like consciously fill those gaps like productivity history yeah because I think if I get into like like if I'm reading like three fiction books at one time that's just too hard to like keep everything I like I think especially (laughs) with fiction yeah Yeah, it's like for sure but it is fun when sometimes you're reading like I think some people are not a proponent of reading multiple things at one time, but I love when I'm reading multiple things and then like the, all the stars align and like a connection, you know, mm-hmm. you're reading something in one book that either comes up or applies to another book that you're reading. Like that's always really fun. I geek over out over that kind of yeah. stuff. So. And I've been challenged over that too. Cause it's, you know, one of the books, like I, I read deep work and I thought that was a really good productivity book. And, um, that was one of the books that like actually led to a big change in my life. Mm. And there's a couple of books throughout my life that like I've read it and then like actually implemented a huge change and yeah. it, it's really helped me. And there's some people who would say like, no, you need to really give all your attention to like one book at a time. But just for my wiring, like I need something fun, you know, like I need some sort of some sort of fun book that I can engage in where if I have like just a day where it's like, I just I feel like I need a little lightness mm-hmm. at the end of the day for like a better phrase like I can go to it and just read like I, I reread a uh, land remembered and it's oh, like yeah. it's just you know super old Florida like fun book and it's it after a long day like it's just relaxing to me yeah um, whereas I don't want to necessarily be like oh it's been a long stressful day let me sit down and read some old theology right. you know like right. some Puritan authors really relax like that's <laughs> yeah. just you know um, <laughs> it, it, yeah, but there's definitely, I think some, some, you know, uh, shifting that I do that's not helpful if, if I, you know, I tell students too, like sometimes 
if you just read for like five minutes and you stop reading, you read for five minutes. It's like, imagine watching a movie and it's like, you watch the movie for five minutes and yeah. then three days later you watch more five minutes and then you watch like a movie and it's like a movie like Inception. And it's like, you have no clue <laughs> no what's way. going on because yeah. you don't ever like carve out enough time to actually sit down and like just kind of transition into that mindset. Do yeah. you have certain things that you do when you're reading? Like, do you have a reading chair or do you Ooh. have certain candles that you burn or teas <laughs> that you drink? I, I have become a tea drinker. I'm like a really, I'm just, I love, I love a good cup of tea. Yeah, I've, I've become like, yeah. I, I mean, seriously, it's so cheesy. It's but so I, London of you. Um, since I know, yeah. I'm trying so hard. Um, no, I mean, I don't have a reading chair. I, um, I, I will say like, I'm very, dis- I've become very distracted, like just with my phone and with work and, you know, computers and just connect all mm-hmm. being connected to so many things. Um, and so I do really try to like have a little bit of time where I'm, um, you know, I'm not on my phone and I haven't been watching TV or something like that. Cause otherwise like my brain just kind of gets sucked into that like mm-hmm. zombie <laughs> state where I feel like I'm not even in the mindset to read. So it's usually best if I haven't been doing those things, but haven't been around technology for, I mean, literally it could be 15 or 20 minutes, but just mm-hmm. kind of disconnecting. Um, but yeah, other than that, I mean, it's just, I just, you know, kind of make the conscious decision to set aside some time. Um, Do you have to, like to a read. consistent time, like morning, night? Um, definitely not in the morning unless it's like I'm, I'm reading my Bible. That's usually like the time that I would, um, although sometimes I do my Bible reading at night. I'm like not a morning person. I mm-hmm. really wish that I was. Um, I would love to be one of those people who gets up at 5 a.m. and like reads and then writes and then, you know, mm-hmm. goes about their day. And that, that just so far hasn't happened. But <laughs> so it's usually at nighttime um, or in the afternoon. But, um, but yeah, other than that, it's just trying to get myself into like a quiet place and um, just be able to, to mentally focus on, you know, whatever it is I'm going to read. When you're reading, do you take notes or? It depends on what I'm reading. If I'm reading something uh, like a theology book or um, maybe like a productivity book or something mm-hmm. like that, I will, I will take notes. And usually I'm like a note taker in my book. Like I'll like write little things in mm-hmm. the margins. I'm normally, very rarely do I have my book and then also like Evernote or a notebook or something like that. Mm-hmm. If I'm doing that, it's usually like research for like a like my seminary paper or something mm-hmm. like that. Um, I'll, I'll do that then. Um, and then if it's if it's fiction, I hardly ever take notes, um, mm-hmm. which. It's funny because, like, as an English major, there are a lot of times where I'm reading and I'm like, I, you know, I'm trying to sort of like half read this critically and then also just half, you know, enjoy mm-hmm. the story. Um, and so sometimes I'll underline things or kind of write little things down. But usually, um, because right now I, don't, you know, I don't read fiction like for class, and that's not something that I do professionally, you know. And so I'm, I just mostly read to to try mm-hmm. to enjoy it and think more deeply um but but I don't if I if something like really hits me and I'm like really marinating on it or it's something that I mean like to your point about deep work like if it's something where I'm like I think this could actually change how I think about x y or z then I'll probably like finish reading whatever that section is and then mm-hmm. I might go like to my computer or something and um or, or grab a notebook and jot some thoughts down really quick and then keep reading so. yeah and I went through it do you remember when I went through an Evernote phase I do I, got, I think you got me onto Evernote I got deep into Evernote and I was like Evernoting all my notes and then I realized <laughs> that it was taking I felt like it was taking my attention away from like grasping everything in it if that uh-huh. makes sense so I was like reading and then I'd be like oh and then I like shift over like you have to physically shift over to your keyboard right and there was some sort of disengagement that I didn't like and I actually felt like um 
reading the book and underlining or jotting or highlighting on whatever was actually a more efficient way for me to understand like the big stuff of the book. And there's like that phrase that I'm going to censor for this podcast, but the good stuff sticks. Uh Have you ever heard that? Yeah. Where it's like, if you're reading a book and like, there's probably some things that you should write down and notes to take, (laughs) but like a lot of times too, you just need to read it and just try to be focused on it. Some people say that with sermons too, that that they think that people shouldn't be like worried about jotting down every note, but they should just really be focused on listening. And yeah. I would actually get distracted by taking notes, which is seems like a oxymoron. Yeah. But. Cause I think when you're like, when, when you think about like recalling like something you've learned from a mm-hmm. book, like the stuff that's like really, really impactful. I mean, we don't just walk around with like our note cards of our favorite quotes, you mm-hmm. know, or even like the version of that in your brain. It's more so that you just like speak out of something mm-hmm. that you've read. I mean, you know, it's like, we don't, I don't know, we could get into this whole conversation, but it's like, you know, most of our, th- our thoughts yeah. and what we say are not are not original. We learn them from somewhere. Um, yeah. And so it's like, I, I think, you know, unless I'm, I'm probably taking more detailed notes if I'm like using that for something. Yeah, yeah, sure. As opposed to just being formed by the text. And, mm-hmm. and that comes out in a lot of different ways. Yeah. So. And I have my little leadership manifesto, which is like an ongoing oh, joke go. with my staff, which is like you know, if people say something to me and it's, I think it's really, really good. Then I put it in a Google drive uh-huh. and I like have like this long list of totally random people quotes and sayings, but it's kind of that thing of like, <laughs> I don't do it right in the middle of a book, but if it's just like something really in my mind, you know, yeah. that's just like over and over, you know, I kind of carry it with me after that. Yeah. And it's okay that I don't remember it all. Cause I can always just go back to it. Yeah. Um, but I'd love for you to speak. You kind of alluded to this, but like, obviously like when you're reading something for school, you know, you're going to maybe read it different because you have to write a paper. So you need to have like quotes and you need to properly cite it. But how, how with you, um, are you different when you are reading scripture than if you're reading something that's not scripture? That's a good question. Um, I mean, I would, yeah, I change up my tea. Um, yeah, I do more of like a, you know, black, black English tea. Um, I would say for scripture, I am, definitely coming at it um with a maybe a different kind of attention um and so you know sometimes I'll open a book and I'm like okay I got 30 minutes to kill like I'll just sit here and read this book and I'm sort of aware that like that that chapter or whatever it is that I happen to read like it might not be you know (laughs) life changing Mm -hmm. but I'm just sort of like chipping away at it I try to come to scripture like just being very conscious of like, this is the word of God, you know, Mm. this is like a living and active word. And so just having, I think a different, um, you know, respect and, and like love for Mm -hmm. the Bible. Um, it it is different. Like reading the Bible to me is a different experience. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's a different practice than, than reading other things, even though a lot of the ways that we approach scripture should be how we read other things. Like we should, you know, understand context and to your point, you know, not just take five minute little, you know, chips, Mm -hmm. but, but try to, you know, maybe dig into a whole passage or whatever. So I think I just come with like a different, um, aiming for a different level of attention that doesn't always Mm -hmm. happen, you know? Um, so, but, um, but yeah, that, and then I'm really coming to, um, look at also like reading the Bible, um, as the Bible, but paying attention to like the, that the Bible is also literature that has really enhanced the way that I have read it. Um, I, that doesn't need to be like our only, framework for reading scripture but Mm -hmm. that is a big one because it is literature and so um just being able to enjoy like how creative scripture is and it always makes me laugh because um a lot of times and I'm gonna like make a really huge generalization but like sometimes in the church especially I think we can um we we maybe 
um, don't appreciate as much like the the seemingly more like creative or artistic genres of literature. Mm-hmm. You know, we might not read as much fiction or poetry or mm-hmm. whatever in favor of, um, you know, the academic books or the um, you know the the productivity books or things like that. Mm-hmm. And so it's like we like the the straightforward and and the um, you know life hacks yeah, yeah and and those kinds of things and and we sort of ignore maybe some of the other stuff and then when we get to scripture it's like everybody loves reading the psalms and then we talk about how much of a challenge like the genealogies are mm-hmm. you know and so it's yeah. just kind of funny to me that i think the bible coming to the bible and looking at it as um literature um can can really grow our love for um for scripture and especially for um the the beauty of scripture that's expressed you know in all these diverse ways so that was just sort mm-hmm. of like my my side rant no that was good <laughs> One of the things, too, when I grew up, like, growing up, I played a lot of sports, and I did a lot of stuff in the outdoor world, but I never saw myself as, like, a really intelligent person, and I kind of played into that, like, kind of, like, when I was in high school, you know, I I didn't want to come off as intelligent, and I, you know, I just, um, and so what happened was, like, whenever I got saved and I got serious about my faith, like, I came to the scriptures, and I didn't have very much confidence in my own, like, literacy, I mean, truthfully, yeah. and I, th- I think a lot of... Um, Christians just don't have that confidence that they can read the Bible and understand it. Mm-hmm. And they, maybe they, um, they love to serve and they enjoy listening to sermons. Um, but one of the things that I found in college by, I never would have thought I was going to be an English major. I was a religion major. And then my, one of my roommates was a creative writing major and it actually ended up switching me over. Mm-hmm. But one of the things that came from that was I developed like reading confidence for lack of a better phrase to where I felt like, no, like I can, I can read a book and understand it. And yeah. you know, as simple as that is, I think that's what a lot of Christians need is just like the more that you read, the more it's like a muscle, you know, you get stronger and you also grow in your confidence in it. Yeah. Um, do you have any tips for uh, maybe somebody who's discouraged or doesn't really feel like they're a a book nerd? Yeah. Um, I mean, I would say to, to your point, it is a learned skill. Um, mm-hmm. And so it's something that if you feel like you're not a strong reader, you can grow in that. You know, there are resources, there are all kinds of books about, um, you know, being a, a, a focused reader, being an attentive reader, how to read well. Um, and so you can definitely grow in that. Um, the other thing too, is I think like, I mean, we live in a visual culture now. And so I think it's easy and I understand why people would say, you know, well, I can just watch, you know, the movie or I can, I can watch mm-hmm. shows and I don't like to read because I like to watch things. Um, but actually I think when we're thinking about consuming things visually, like you're still doing a sort of reading, right? Mm-hmm. Like, so you're reading body language and you're reading tone and you're reading, you're reading into it to figure out what the storyline is. Yeah. Like that all happens when you're reading a book. And so being able to sort of notice that and translate that, to reading words on a page, um, yes, it is a different experience, but it's kind of in some ways even a more fun one because then you get to exercise your imagination mm-hmm. and use kind of your mental and, and emotional, um, you know, abilities to, to kind of help create, you know, your version of this story. Mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah, I mean, I would say for, for someone who doesn't think of themselves as, as a big reader, um, I would just sort of look at that um, and and say, yes, you can read. And actually, mm-hmm. probably the way that you consume um, TV and movies and things like that already gives you some of those abilities. You just need to be able to translate it to mm-hmm. um, to written words. So yeah, I just encourage someone and, and I mean, remind them that like the, the benefits definitely, not that it should just be like trying to sell someone on reading, but um, but I think the benefits far outweigh the maybe the challenge of it. Mm-hmm. That's good. 
Can we do some fun rapid fire stuff? Let's do it. I'm ready. All right. I think. Electronic or paper? Paper. Do you have any place for electronic or are you like all paper? No, I, I definitely do. What like certain genres, <laughs> certain um like I do take more notes now on my computer. When I was like when I was in high school and college, I wrote all my notes out by hand in cursive and I'm not joking. Oh wow. Um and so I've come a long way from then. I've I've come into the twenty first okay. century. <laughs> yeah. So I like have all my commentaries on Logos. So okay. like I read all commentaries, but like I I think that when it's a fun book, it's a lot more engaging for me. Yeah to like read it paper. And then I also yeah, feel agree. like I have a high appreciation for like actually like, you know, like we were conditioned, like don't judge a book by its cover, but like that's actually an artistic expression that like the <laughs> author is choosing or allowing to be, yeah, you know. that's true. Um, Cause like authors do have a say, I mean, you know, like yeah, they don't, a lot of them the don't design designers. it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> but you know, um, and I think it's a lot of, I think it's fun sometimes just to remove yourself from technology, but um, what what is one book that got turned into a movie that you think the movie got it right? Oh my gosh. Oh man. If any. I'm like now I'm like what book has ever been turned into a movie? It's really hard for me to think of these things. Well, I mean um, Chronicles of Narnia, oh, Lord of the they, Rings. I will say I don't think they got it right. Harry Potter. Um, I watched in fact I went I went back and watched um the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe like mm-hmm. a week ago, and I was so excited about it. And um, when I started watching it, I was like, "Oh wow, this CGI is like really bad." But then mm-hmm. I also realized it was filmed 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was kind of depressing. So I would yeah. say, I would say they maybe tried really, really well, um, but yeah, nothing compares to the book at all. But yeah. but I think they overall got the storyline right. So I guess that counts for something. I saw a meme one time that was like, "I didn't read the book because I didn't want it to mess up the movie." Because people say they don't want to watch a movie. <laughs> but you know what's true is, like, um, some of the mystery movies that were written from, like, or created from books uh-huh. are, like, the best. And I yeah. actually feel that way. That's true. So, I like, I read some, that. like, Agatha Christie, like, some mystery, but not very much. Like, my wife got me a Sherlock Holmes, um, like, a, a set of Sherlock oh, yeah, Holmes yeah. stuff. But, like, I'm a diehard Sherlock BBC fan. Yeah. Um, as you know. And uh, it's, you know, I, I there's some... Like when it comes to mystery, like I, the writers, like the actual writers are the absolute best. Like yeah. if, if that, if, if mystery movie wasn't a book before, it's probably going to not be any good because <laughs> like all the great mystery writers are right. Like actually write books. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. Um, so next rapid fire question, um, is what, what are, what's the quick case for reading for groups? Like reading in groups. Reading in groups. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I mean, I think it's great to be able to discuss, you know, with people. I mean, back to the point of kind of coming outside of your own worldview um, and also just being able to read, like, not reading your own story into mm-hmm. everything, you know. So mm, yeah, I would true. say um, I would say reading in groups is great for that. I mean, and you always grow. Well, I shouldn't say everyone always grows. I feel like I grow best um, in, in terms of reading and understanding when I'm, like, in dialogue. And mm-hmm. so... Um, aside from just like the friendship of, of being able to, you know, it's fun to read with people who also love reading, um, just being able to, to grow and, and learn from what other people um, are, are um, perceiving from what they read as well. What books should Christians avoid? Like, should there be banned books? Ooh, like, good question. Fifty Shades of Grey. Oh, like, that should definitely be banned. Okay, but like, um, how do we think through that? <laughs> so I would say... Um, I mean, and I'm not like an expert on, on censorship or anything. I, I do think that we need to um, not 
I think we need to acknowledge that sometimes to work through a narrative, it's good to see things that aren't all, you know, just sugar-coated. Like, we mm-hmm. need to see real life. Um, and I think even when we look at scripture, like, there's a lot of provocative things, um, not just sexually provocative, um, mm-hmm. that, that are obviously not censored in scripture. Um, two things on that, though. A, that, or one, that, that serves the purpose of a larger narrative that ultimately ends in the redemption and restoration of creation and, like, the mm-hmm you know, all evil things being condemned, you know, mm-hmm. and so um, that that resolves in a, you know, a certain way. Um, and then the other thing is that like scripture is scripture, like, you know, God is is the all knowing author. And so mm-hmm. we can kind of give him that authority to, to you know, ordain what um, what the word is going to be. Um, but I, I mean, with stuff like Fifty Shades of Grey, I mean, to me, that is just cheap entertainment Mm-hmm. Um, that I think we we should not settle for that, um, aside from the moral implications and the spiritual implications of just consuming things that are going to, I think, lead you into, um, you know, further into sin. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, I would say, I would say when you read, like, you need to be very well aware of, like, what, like, we're responsible for our own temptations, right? Mm-hmm. And so we need to be well aware of, like, okay, what is going to be troubling for me? And there's a very big difference between, you know, I'm going to read out, um, this this novel that maybe goes through some very difficult things mm-hmm. um, for the purpose of trying to communicate like a moral truth versus I'm going to read this book that, um, you know, just is trying to quote unquote entertain, but really like fill my mind with, with sinful things that are mm-hmm. not edifying. So, um, yeah. And I mean, I think we also have to use the Holy Spirit as our guide for, for conviction. And mm-hmm. so um, if something is troubling to you or if something is not edifying, like, again, there are enough books in the world to where you don't need to read that. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, you know, again, on like on the band thing, I mean, I, I think, you know, part of me thinks, you know, there, there's no way that we can like control all of the evil mm-hmm. that's in the yeah. world. But I do think, especially things that I think are, are just overtly um, maybe damaging to like the Imago Dei and to, mm-hmm. to human dignity. Um, there that's there true. are certainly a lot of things that I would say like that just shouldn't even be published um, but because we can't control a lot of that, I would say just to use real discernment. Um, but, it, but also moving away from like, just, just kind of the cheap entertainment and the, um, the stuff that's just, you know, garbage. Um, then on that kind of next level up being able to discern like, okay, um, some people might be able to read some books that others, you know, couldn't for, mm-hmm. for different reasons. And so just kind of having that wisdom. Yeah, did you take the religion and fantasy class at I did. FSU? They called yes, it the Harry, the Potter, Harry class. Potter class. Yeah. Okay, because it was fun because that that class, um, you know, you read Golden Compass. Yes. Which is you know a controversial the book. Book, right? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then um, you read like they they reference uh, you don't read all but the Harry Potter books, which a lot of people grew up not in Christian homes not being able to read. It was like a banned book. Right. But then there's also like a lot of things that I feel like when I went through Harry Potter as an adult. I didn't read all the books, but some of them, like from a Christian worldview, I was actually kind of intrigued and yeah. it was kind of interesting to think through and I didn't feel like it was damaging to my faith. And I didn't feel like at any point in reading the Harry Potter books was I at risk for going and practicing magic. Like yeah. it just wasn't <laughs> right. a temptation for me right. um, or doubting God's goodness. Or, But I think that's great what you said too of like, one, are you filling yourself with things that are not of the Lord? But mm-hmm. I, I actually, I, I think it was really helpful what you said too on... Um, is this damaging the Imago Day? Like, yeah. is this causing me mm-hmm. to see God's creation and people 
less with less dignity and i think that's one of the biggest issues for shows like bachelor or there's Mm -hmm. like the new netflix show that's like about not having sex or whatever Mm -hmm. um and those shows that are like reality tv but people don't view those people as people it should actually be really breaking to you that people made in the image of god are living and thinking and behaving this way it shouldn't be entertainment to watch people use their bodies right like that right yeah, and I think with the band books thing, like I think about um, I, in high school I had to read Fahrenheit 451, which mm-hmm. that's kind of talking about like censorship. And, and you they know, made a movie of that. Yeah, yes, with they Michael, did. Michael B. Jordan. I forgot about yeah. that. I thought it was pretty good. Um, but, you know, that's one conversation where it's kind of saying like we should control what people are able to consume um, mm-hmm. to, to sort of like limit their liberties and their freedoms. Um, there's a whole, but I think a lot of what we talk about is like, we, you know, with reality TV and with mm-hmm. a lot of these like sexually expli- explicit shows and books, like we're sort of taking like liberation to this whole new level where it's like, okay, now we're just gonna um, put all of this on display. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the kind of stuff where it's more like, <laughs> as Christians, we just need to avoid that mm-hmm. because it's generally of the world and, and it's not even, you know, t- t- that's not even really a display of freedom. It's more mm-hmm. just like, um, you know, I don't know, just, just excess and, mm-hmm. and, you know, just lacks meaning. So, yeah. Yeah. All right. Here's my last question. I was really excited about this one when okay. I came up with Ooh, it. I'm ready. If we locked you in a room for 24 hours and you had to write a book oh and my it was going to be published, like as is, <laughs> what would your book be on? I'm like sweating with anxiety on that already. What would your book be on? Oh man. Um, okay. The first thing that comes to my mind, um, I have started kind of doing like a deep dive into Uh, sort of like this combination of like um, kind of the intersection of like beauty and truth and goodness and wisdom, like all of those things. And so, I mean, I am by no means. That sounds lofty. Well, let me, I'm setting that up to say I'm by no means um, qualified to write some type of like huge, huge book on this, but I would want, I would probably actually want to write a fiction book Mm -hmm. that explored that. Um, so just maybe finding some type of like higher meaning, higher beauty um, mm-hmm. in life. So I have no idea pl- a plot point, but maybe, you know, something that communicates that, that tries to like elevate our mm-hmm. our existence a in little bit. In my writing <laughs> classes, I thought that you have to take, so you have to take one poetry, you have to take one fiction, you have to take one nonfiction, mm-hmm. you, no matter what you want to focus on. And I thought fiction class was going to be the easiest class. I thought it was going to be a joke. Like I didn't want to take it. I was like, this is dumb. <laughs> that was the hardest class because you would like, you would have like a seed idea. And then when you actually were forced to like flesh that full idea out, it was way harder than you think. So you walk around all, all day thinking, Oh, I could, I could write a book, you know, I could yeah. write a fiction book about this thing. And then when you're actually forced to like put those words on paper and develop those characters, and oh, like, yeah, have, so hard. like, and you're like four pages in and you don't even know what to do with this character or the characters like not develop it, it, you know, it's just, um, so that, yeah. that'd be a lofty goal. I mean, be, in 24 hours, it probably could not happen, but it'd um, be a short story. It might be more like, you know, my memoir of going insane or something, but nah, I don't yeah. know. <laughs> well, cool. Well, thank you so much for joining us. And, uh, it's been fun just to talk about the significance of reading. So awesome. It's been fun. Thanks. Thanks again for listening to the for the campus podcast. If this podcast was helpful for you, please take time to share it with others. Also feel free to reach out to us online. Have a great day.